live from Tel Aviv, two nice Jewish boys, Aitid Weinstein and Naor Mininger. And today we are three nice Jewish boys. I, don't, I, I feel like I can't begin. I didn't hear the tune. Oh, I right. Feel like Sorry. I you need to sing it to me. <laughs> oh, God. Hava <laughs> Nagila. There we go. That's there horrible. There we go. Why, why so, is it that you always, I mean, if you're talking about uh, American Jews, right? It, you immediately go to Hava Nagila. What's the thing about that? Well, it wasn't a decision of ours. Really? It's, just, it's a law, actually. Yeah, but I why? See. Why is it? Is it a why? biblical law? It's or a biblical. It's a halacha. It's a halacha. <laughs> That's very part nice. Of the, yeah, it's part of the Jewish law. So we're three ni- uh, nice Jewish boys today we because we have Doron Nir with Hello. us. Thank Hello you so much everyone. for coming. Thank you for inviting me. Um, the beer is very cold. I enjoy that. Great. Um, so yeah, you're our first guest. Really? Which, Congratulations. Yes. Which episode is it's that? An honor. Eleven. Eleven. Whoa, you right. went through 11 episodes without guests? Yeah. 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 That, but amazing. we have eight on. Nobody's yeah. going to hear those 10 first episodes, man. <laughs> probably. The, the, no one's going to hear this one either. We, yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> I, 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 uh, I became aware very quickly with our podcast that if you don't have a guest, it's just, you're just dead in the water. It's right. just a horrible, you're ju- you just sit there. Yeah, you need to you need to add something. What did you talk about for ten episodes? It was mostly quiet. It was mostly Uh, just quiet. It was just us sitting in front of each other awkwardly. There was a cricket once (laughs) once in a while. Did you play any songs? Any? Yeah, yeah, we have music actually. Really? Yeah, we. um, I I just uh, approach uh, indie Israeli art uh, musicians who do English music, and I ask for their permission to play their song and, and they, they agree. allow it yeah they always agree they always yes. agree and there's so it's uh, such a vast amount of good high quality music here done so in english who, who did you who did you play in you, the previous episodes what did i miss like uh we had russo and weinberg if you know them i heard about them the, actually my my partner in geekonomy uh M. sherman yeah he's which uh, is your podcast yes my podcast uh, if you understand Hebrew, please please listen to it. It's uh, you can find it on uh, on iTunes. Just look up Geekonomy. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, so uh, Reem was um, was a music critic basically. He used to go to shows and and live shows and uh, and post it on a website on Israeli website called Mako. So he has oh, a wow. real uh, he has a real wide range of knowledge in music. He writes very eloquently and he knows how to describe stuff um, very in a very detailed manner. So he was uh, doing that for a couple of years. So we had them. We had um, so many more. We had the Wild Willows, who are great, uh, a great indie band. But maybe first we'll introduce you. Really? Yeah. Okay. Formally. So, yeah, formally. Very so, formally, so the, though. The, the, bo- the a, boring part. Yeah, the boring... Just, you know, just a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, You're go, a startupist. Go for it. Uh, you're a podcaster. Correct me if I'm wrong, right? You are not wrong. You're I am a, father. a podcaster. I am a father of two. Uh, I met your son. He's incredible. Um, Is he? Yeah. <laughs> I hope he <laughs> doesn't listen to this. He's not incredible. He's yeah, like... He's, I, a, I, he's, I, a, he's a normal boy. He's uh, just okay. a redhead normal mm, boy. Well, he's just average. I, listen, I, I have a good friend. Uh, I, I, was <laughs> I, I was with him in the army. And uh, I'm, I'm really not very much for the my son is magnificent kind of parenting. Right. 
and and actually he's uh also not into the my son is magnificent p- type of parenting and and he told me that every time that he meets with friends and somebody says something like my kid is amazing or everybody loves him in kindergarten then he always replies with something like my kid is totally ordinary he's just <laughs> an ordinary kid yeah, right. I think he's, we ha- he's liked by some and not liked by some others and he's just a normal ordinary kid what's That's what's it. your son's name Jonathan, Jonathan, or or more accurately, Yehonatan. Yehonatan. Good luck. Good we, luck, Jonathan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I'm, no, a, I think, I'm a bit of bl- Yeah, I think there's a horrifying example right now of what happens when parents take that approach with of, Trump. Yeah, exactly. You think his mother told him that he's amazing? I, I think that yeah. You're I, blessed, I, my son. Yes, you're you're going to be the president. Exactly. I think with Trump, I, I actually don't know his biography, but he did uh, mention his parents. Uh, mm-hmm. In his, uh, how do you call that? His uh, in- acceptance speech in is that uh, an ex- acceptance? No, no. inauguration is going to happen later. Isn't the end of yeah, January. I think acceptance. it's the acceptance speech. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he said that he wants to thank his parents, and his parents are amazing. He he actually did a very decent, very peaceful, uh, very um, you know, trying to calm everybody down. Don't worry, I'm not yeah. going to push the button or Pacifist. throw. <laughs> <laughs> not yeah. pacifist but but definitely i i, I first of, you know the the biggest concern for somebody like this is the stock right i mean the, if, if he came with um an acceptance speech speech that had the tones of the campaign mm-hmm. then the stock market today would have probably crashed much badly it's yeah. now about minus it started two. uh yeah. going down no no yeah. it's do- it's down yeah yeah it's down uh, most of the stock is one to two percent down and some okay. of them are actually even worse, Tesla is five percent down, and some other companies. Uh, but it could have been a lot worse, man. Yeah, could have been. No, but do do they do they always go down around elect? Because I feel like investors no. are, are terrified no. of change. No, there there is always the candidate that will take the markets up, and the candidate that will really? take the markets down. If Hillary Clinton would have won, the markets would have gone plus two today. Mm. Across the board. But, mm. you know, I'm, I'm actually pretty happy you're here today and we're doing this episode about startups because, uh, to me, it's the best timing. You know, now all the Jews from the American Jews who want to come here. They're going to come back to Israel. Come back and want to start their lives, but want to be uh, entrepreneurs. That's not going to happen, man. Everybody who's in the States are going to stay in the States. They're not, you know, they're Jewish, but they don't. They're not coming to Israel. They <laughs> Look have at Eitan. When Look did you it. come Look to Israel? It was. It turned out great for me. <laughs> <laughs> when did you? No, I uh, came here. Uh, did ten, you make Aliyah? Yeah, complete? yeah, yeah. Ten so years ago. Almost. You're a full citizen. I'm a full-on Israeli. Did you do an? Uh, Can't the, you hear uh, it? Yeah, I yeah. did. <laughs> did you do an army service? I did. I did. How I much? I was in uh, Nachal for two and a half years. Dude. Yeah. I went the whole nine yards. You're man. an you Israeli man. You gotta do Did it you all kill the way. anyone? I, we can't talk about that. Yeah. Okay. But no. <laughs> no. Did you want to kill someone? I came here with that illusion. <laughs> really? You yeah. thought you were going to yeah. kill no, someone? Absolutely. I came here with that, like, I thought I was going to be I'm James gonna... Bond. I was like, I'm going to be an assassin. <laughs> and I'm going to kill the most important terrorists. Not the, like, the little ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Only the most important bin Laden. ones. Exactly. Like Bin Laden. Yeah. Like, that guy's on Crazy my list. Crazy shit, Bin Laden. And then I came here, and this, like, 18-year-old, like, guy from Naharia is yelling at me. <laughs> And yeah, my, that's, that's, my that's, bubble was burst. Th- yeah, that's right. very disillusioning. <laughs> very disillusioning. But let's assume there are Americans who want to come here and, and become entrepreneurs or people abroad who are interested in the startup um, community here. And 
the startup nation, which are we a startup nation, by the way? Yes, we are. We have a, we still have, I think, one of the highest ratios of startups per, I don't know, capita. million per people. Yeah. It's not per capita. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, per million per people. And or if you don't count the Arabs and the, and the uh, No, no, no. We, ca we count everybody right. because some startups, there are actually some very interesting programs for startups for the Arab population and the uh, Orthodox population. Right. Um, you have about 5,500 startups in Israel. Uh -huh. uh, that's a massive number compared to countries our size. If you compare that to Sweden, which is roughly our size, or Austria, which is roughly our size, we have more than, I don't know, 50x what they have. Right. So wow. that's definitely... We're, we're a startup nation. We're not, we're not... First of all, it's not growing. So the 5,500 startups per 8 million people that the country has... Uh, to my understanding, and I really don't know that much about it, but to my understanding, that number hasn't been growing. Uh, so we had 5,500 startups when we were 7 million as well. well. A lot of those people are probably coming from certain demographics that aren't necessarily... Uh, I think it's more yeah. than that. I think that it's really... Um, we had a massive boom and I think it's calming down a bit. I think uh -huh. startups are not a lifestyle that a lot of people in Israel want for themselves. Uh, it's still massively stronger mm -hmm. uh, than other countries, but people are starting to, th to to understand that it's a huge risk. And uh, if I can get a decent job with a decent pay, yeah, uh, th there's a disillusionment from startups in Israel, I think. Yeah, uh, it doesn't mean that it doesn't happen. Is there's still a very he healthy ecosystem of entrepreneurs and investors? Um, But it's not. It's definitely not growing. So, Doron, as as a startupist who had known failure, I was wondering if there's such a thing as a good failure here in the startup industry, or is it always awful? There was a movie. I don't remember its name. That the directors nobody came to see it, so they decided to open it for free. So because they were so frustrated, the filmmakers, that they said, on this date. It's going to be completely free to see this movie. It's an awesome movie. Just come and see it. It's free. And also nobody came, which I thought was a very interesting take because you're saying, okay, it's not the price. People would pay the price if they thought the movie is going to be good or the premise is going to be nice. You just made a shitty movie. I think that's the worst kind of failure. If you're giving your product for free and nobody's taking it, right. that's, that's the worst kind of failure. I think the... Uh, the, the failures that I had were slightly better because we had a lot of users, but we didn't make any money. Um, hundreds of thousands of users, not millions, not billions. If we had millions and billions, we probably would have just sold the company for a shitload can you, of money. Can you tell us a little bit about the... Yeah, yeah. The, the last company uh, was called Happy Sale, and it was basically a mobile application for a Craigslist type of marketplace. So post your shit and, and somebody else would buy it. Uh, and we had messaging built in, so you would just approach the person. And, mm -hmm. and uh, it was good. We got about, I don't know, 500, almost a million installs. Uh, and we had about a million installs, by the way, is nothing in consumer mobile uh, these it days. It's not. 
the oh, wow. the magic number these days is a uh, 10 million and even that is not enough i mean you would probably have to get not just to the 10 million mark but have at least i don't know a million out of those to become avid active users active users to get a snowball rolling just to be a valid business mm-hmm. um and we didn't make that mark and we we did some strategic alliances we built i mean eventually it got to the point where i was faced with the option of either spending the next year without any salary uh trying to make this successful in some way i don't know in what okay. way or just let it go Okay. And I was, I, I have two kids, so the choice w- for me was very clear. I need them to eat. I need uh-huh. them to sleep under a decent roof. Uh, I need to pay rent and, and, you know, electricity bills and stuff. Uh, so for me, it was very clear. At that point, I, I said, I'm not going to risk my life savings or I'm not going to risk the, um, the happiness of my family. Mm-hmm. Uh, or the stability of my marriage, mm-hmm. uh, which if I would have gone that way, probably would have put it at risk. I know a lot of entrepreneurs that at these points in their uh, in their company's life cycle, their marriage broke up, their family, you know, broke up, and family for me is more important. Let, let me ask you: Was the idea initially was it yours? Was it kind yeah, of yeah, like, yeah? It was yeah. mine. So I, you felt I, very passionate about. No, it. No, no. The idea is still an awesome idea. Yeah, and the execution was also great. I mean, we saw a lot of users. The business case is not there. I mean, the way to make money from these mm-hmm. apps is still not in place. There are some very large companies, uh, Let Go, Wallapop, and uh, OfferUp. Okay. Uh, that are successful in the U.S. They have millions of users. They made the engagement marks that we didn't arrive at. Yeah. They still don't make money. Wow. And they're spending money like crazy because they, they have to sustain these, this audience with new users and advertising and everything. And they still don't know how they're going to make money. And now Facebook came out with a competing product for marketplaces, right. mm-hmm. uh, which is it could kill everyone. I, I'm not very optimistic about the entire category. I think the the uh, um, the next couple of years are gonna uh, show us whether these companies are developing into meaningful businesses or they're just gonna sell for scraps. So, how did you become an entrepreneur? I grew up in a house where being uh, having a decent job and getting a decent pay was the most important thing in life. A Jewish house, that is. Yes. Just a regular and, Jewish house. And being an entrepreneur <laughs> was an idiotic, things that only, a, a, an idiotic thing that only crazy people do. And... What your parents did? My father was a manager in several automobile companies. Uh, the Israeli automobile industry is mostly around heavy automobiles, so trucks and the... I don't know what you call them the the thing that the thing that trucks carry. Trailers? Uh, yes. Uh, trailers, trailers. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> the English speaker. Yes, trailers. <laughs> and um and also all sorts of large vehicles. And he was a great engineer and he became a, a manager and he was a manager of some of these companies and he was eventually uh uh he was um an employee for all his life. He tried at some point to become uh, an, um, you know, an entrepreneur and start his own company. Uh, 
it didn't go very well. It's a very risky business. And if you don't, it, it didn't go very well. Um, so having a salary and having a job was, uh, what are we, what are we doing here? Yeah, I just you want to move it? Yeah. Okay. Was very important in my house. My mother was a teacher and, um, uh, principal mm -hmm. of a school in Haifa where I grew up uh, I slowly became aware throughout my 20s that the value I bring companies that I work for is tremendously larger than what I'm earning uh, tremendously uh -huh. larger as a rule of thumb yes throughout my 20s I saw the things that I build for the companies that hired me uh, turn into um, millions of dollars. And what I personally got was a f small fraction of that, uh, which may, makes a lot of sense in terms of business. I mean, eventually the whole equation of employment is that you bring more value than you get paid. And there are some, com there are some companies that actually have a measurement for that. So... How much revenue do we make per employee? doesn't matter which employee. We have 10,000 employees. We make $100 billion. Our um, uh, revenue per employee is X. And the more money you make per employee, it means that you're an efficient company and the stock market is very rewarding for efficient companies. Uh, the productivity is high, et cetera, et cetera. I was a very, very productive employee. And... I decided that if I'm a very productive employee and I know how to build things and create things that make a lot of money for my employees, I should probably start doing it for myself. And it was a very long process because when you grow up and you're and you keep getting pounded with the concept of being a good employee and my grandmother uh who I love deeply and she's no, no longer with us, uh the first question that you, she would ask me on a on our weekly phone call was how's work? And then after that, are you being liked by your managers? So are you, are you, are you, you know, are you a good? Yeah. Are you a good employee? Right. Um, and I decided at the beginning of my 30s that I'm going to start doing things for myself. Um, and it's a which is today pretty late, right? For an entrepreneur, like no, it, it's no, the no, average. No. It's actually, it's actually even early it is most of the successful entrepreneurs started their successful uh ventures in their mid 30s mm -hmm. uh even even after that for some i mean we all know the zuckerbergs and the mm -hmm. barons and here the a200 uh... yeah but it's it's really not like that it's really uh -huh. not like that most successful companies were built by people in their 30s no, and you need even, experience you need you yeah, know you need a, li a yeah. little bit you got to yeah. have a little bit of an exp of experience um um so i i slowly started you know trying to find myself ways to be to have a little more of an upside in what i'm doing uh and in the first company i did it i just had some stock options you know i went for a riskier venture with a little more stock options and then after that i had more stock options and then i i was a co-founder and finally happy saying my latest uh failed company was the first company where i was a ceo and i really feel that i did the full cycle it took me it took me a f fucking decade to get to the point where i'm not scared at all you see Aitan, he looks 30 but he's actually a I'm, bit... i'm 43 
Yeah, I'm the opposite. <laughs> I, lo- I look twenty. <laughs> I look forty-three, and you I'm don't 27. look forty-three. <laughs> You're, you look twenty-seven. Oh, yeah. You look like a twenty-seven Tel Aviv hipster. I look like I've experienced the whole cycle, but I'm just at the beginning. <laughs> Dude, stop! Stop complimenting yourself. You both look like a couple of young schnooks. Um, I see. So that was the, that. That was it, basically. I, it's it's. Let me tell you, for an entrepreneur, um, the two things that you really don't talk a lot about because you talk about product and business and, and, and money and investors. You don't talk about fear, which mm-hmm. is a huge factor of probably everything. I'm sure there's a lot of fear in filmmaking as well. It's so much alike, you know, yeah, as yeah, you yeah. tell it, I'm yeah. just It's, it's entrepreneurship. You, it, filmmaking, especially in Israel, is entrepreneurship per se. You, there's no way, there's no other way to look at it. And it's scary as fuck. Yep. It's scary as fuck. Nobody tells you that and nobody talks about that. Because entrepreneurs are, are you There's know, romance. They're, they're liars, basically. Right. They're constant liars. When you meet your friends, there are very few friends that I will get the truth about their venture, you know, when, when I ask them. It's mostly everything's going amazing. We have that new product launching. It's going great. I think we're going to close the next round very easily. And, and we're making... Sounds like gonna, a classic CEO. Yeah. yeah. And, and, I'm, and I'm driven and I'm pumped. Nobody will tell you, like, dude, we're fucked. Oh, shit. <laughs> we are so fucked. Uh, the ones that do tell you that, you know that two things, you know two things about them. First of all, they're really fucked. I mean, you can bet that the company is going to shut down any minute now. And the second thing is that they're honest. They're honest. When, entrepreneur, when, an, when an entrepreneur tells you that they're fucked, they're dead honest. You think there's a correlation though between that like personality type and successful CEOs, or do you think that you can be honest and you can say we're fucked and be at that point where you're fucked? You and cannot still, be honest. You can't be honest. No, with yourself or with others. You can be honest with yourself. It's very okay. important to be honest with yourself. It's also very important to be honest with your investors and your co-founders mm-hmm. in the specific rooms that where you can be honest behind the right doors. Exactly. Yeah. It's very, very important to be honest. If you're not honest with your investors, yeah. you can you can go to jail eventually. Yeah, you cannot be dishonest but, with your invest, but you can't be honest with your employees, not completely. You can. You can't. You can't. No. Okay. No way. Uh, you cannot be honest with your employees. You cannot mm-hmm. be honest with your users, with your customers, uh, with your with the people you want to. Um, that's it. if you want to recruit somebody usually when you're fucked you don't recruit anyone because yeah. you know they're going to get fired anyway but yeah well um, recruiting's like a sales pitch you're trying to you exactly know, yeah. um the thing is that a, a company is an entity that is sort of like um you know from the outside it always needs to look successful mm-hmm. and the ceo is the person most responsible for yeah. projecting that uh if you're fucked yeah. then you're fucked I made a point of not trying as hard as I can not to be dishonest with my employees. Uh, and my level of dishonesty only came to the point where um, I wouldn't lie to them, but I wouldn't tell them everything. So I would never lie to them. If they okay. were to ask me how much money we have, I would tell probably for about four or six months. And that was true. We had money for about four to six months. Mm-hmm. Um but I didn't, for example, tell them 
if I stop believing in the venture because yeah. you don't share these. It, I mean, there is no point. There's really. no good to yeah. share those and, yeah, emotional. And, and, yeah. and, and also most of the time you still believe. Yeah. That's, I guess my question is, do you, do you think that you have to be inherently optimistic because there's the executive type, which is generally pessimistic and says no to everything. And then there's the optimist, I think, which, you know, is constantly telling himself, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's uh, going to happen. So if, if you feel that something is not going to happen, you should stop being the CEO of the company. Yeah. That would be, you know, the, the number one role for a CEO mm -hmm. is to serve the investors. That, that is your role in life. Mm -hmm. You have stockholders. Uh, whether you're a public company or not, it doesn't matter. You have stockholders. Yeah. And your job is to take something that uh, you got an investment, let's say, for example, for a valuation, a company valuation of a million dollars. Okay. The number one job, everything else is irrelevant. The number one job of a CEO is to turn that $1 million valuation into more. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, the more you raise the valuation of the company, the, the better you are as a CEO. And the more it, it's, it's less about generating revenue and it's more about raising the valuation of the company. Revenue is top notch important. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying, but there are a lot of companies that still don't make money. Zynga is not, is not profitable yet. For example, Uber also right. Uber is spending money like crazy, yeah. but the valuation keeps going up. So, the company is good as long as it's growing exactly yeah. exactly how much money is being invested in israel and startups because i heard from entrepreneur friends that like money in late years money is like been flowing around like crazy just looking to get invested i've is been that hearing true? that true I, i've been hearing that too um i don't know it's not flowing in my direction let me tell you <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Well, after this show, it uh, will. I, I, I'm not bitter about it, by the way. So money is flowing into Israeli companies. Um, I think some of the in, in most interesting and, uh, and I don't know, good companies um, that I saw in the last years in Israel are getting a lot of money. Mm-hmm. I honestly don't know the, the but like, total numbers. To get an angel investment, like the first investment, the seed investment, w how easy would it be if you have a decently good idea? Would you s Very, very difficult. Very difficult. Yeah, an idea is nothing. Well, an idea and the, the base... Okay, well, how can I rephrase the question so that... So the answer would be it's easy? No, so that I <laughs> let me, understand let me tell what you. it takes if, to get if, an angel investment, so, for example. So let me tell you what would be an easy way to get an investment. Right. Uh, a great idea yes. with a super hot, in a super hot market mm -hmm. with an amazing team that's going to execute it. That would be composed, let's say, for a technology company. That would be composed of somebody who's an amazing technology leader, uh, a great business leader, and great chemistry between them. Um, and if one of these founders also had a successful company making an exit in a previous cycle of their entrepreneur life, 
that would probably be the easiest way I can imagine for a company to get a seed investment from an angel after a couple of meetings. But all those Cinderella stories that I know of people with no background. Give me an example. I have good friends. Uh, you know, we, we, are, we studied in uh, the cinema school in Tel Aviv University. Many yeah. entrepreneurs go out from there. One of my, uh, one of, uh, a friend of mine, uh, for example, they made a game, a uh, virtual reality game, augmented reality, and uh, they, div- they invested like 40,000 shekels or something. They uh, made a prototype of the game. They show that it has an audience. They, they put it in, in malls and, sh- and filmed kids getting high on it and then uh, raised money on it. Like after they proved that the the product has uh, has a, a what's the a name of the company? Kazulu. K- so Nordau Interactive. Yeah, I know them yeah. actually. They're great. That's guys. an example, but also I know so I have other no- examples. So Nordau Interactive, uh, look at what you just told me. So you you said we had a great team of entrepreneurs with an idea for a category that's super hot, like augmented reality, and games, which are proven to be uh, a category of successful consumer products. Yes. They executed a prototype in a way that actually demonstrated that that they can make money off that shit. And then they went to investors. True. That's actually quite a good story. Now, I know them well enough to tell you that they didn't get a ton of money Right. They got a little bit of money and then they need to prove that they can make it to the next level where they would get more money and they would take it to the next level and hopefully one day they're going to be blizzard. Probably something to do with the fact that they don't really have a track record. I mean, these are young guys, right? Yeah, that, yeah. with yeah. no background. But, but what, you, what you just described is actually a very good story for a first cycle of entrepreneurs. And I can also tell you that there are some family connections there that don't hurt. Right. Not saying that they got anything because of their family re- Tell us more. Tell us more. <laughs> Is that important to you? No, no, no. Uh, I don't even know these guys. He, uh, he's so I, connected. That I'm, I'm, I'm just saying that the, the fact that you're very well networked is a huge bonus when you're trying to raise funds. Because eventually in Israel, everybody knows everybody. You want to raise money. You're going to go to this investor. He's going to pick up a, pick up a phone to a couple of friends and say, listen, this guy's with me. I saw the deck. It looks interesting. What do you think? I don't know. Send them over. I'll send how many, them over. How many startups in Israel do you think are actually invested by their founders? Like to, like the founders putting money in yeah, them? Yeah. I don't know. That's a common practice or is it? I don't know. Right. No? That's a very good question. Oh, okay. I, I, I have some friends who uh, put money into their companies. Mm-hmm. Um, the ones that were successful were very happy about it. The ones that were not were very sad about it, which makes a lot that of makes sense. sense. Yeah. What is, would you say there's a good, um, like correlations or like, uh, yeah, correlation. That, between, that's a word. Yeah. Between, it is a word. Between, um, military service and, and us being the startup nation. I mean, it, no. There isn't. I don't. I don't think military service and military. The think military. It, I think it's deeper in Israel. How so? I, I I definitely think that the military, the specific military in Israel, the IDF, is very encouraging uh, for the entrepreneurship spirit. So uh, 
We actually, in our last episode of Geekonomy, we interviewed uh, Inon Bracha. Yeah, I heard it. Which is, uh, he's, he was a successful CEO of two companies, both making massive exits. Uh, one of them was uh, IPO'd for over $700 million. And then it crashed back um, badly. After he sold it, though. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how much money he made. I didn't ask him that. Uh, and the second company sold for about $350 million to Apple. Uh, the company was called PrimeSense, the second company, and that was the technology powering the Xbox Kinect. And he talked a lot about how the uh, in- entrepreneurship spirit uh, is encouraged in the military units that he was a member of. Uh, so I think in some parts of the army... Uh, cultivating new ideas and experimenting new stuff to get things done is really the the lore of that unit um, I think personally well my personal belief about a lot of things that have to do with Israel is that it all comes from the Holocaust so it's a it's a big thing for me um, I have a lot of family stories that involve with that but I think that when you look at I'm a big believer in um, in evolution and when you look at what happened in the Holocaust this is my theory by the way it's not backed by any science or <laughs> social research it sends you my publisher okay <laughs> it's just my own private uh a theory that I developed about where this entrepreneurship spirit comes from. To us, it's concrete truth. Okay. Um, this is fact, guys. I, I think that the Holocaust, what it basically did, imagine that you were to take a huge population of not, not humans, but animals, and you were to put them in something as horrifying as the Holocaust, who would survive that? The ones who survived the Holocaust... were the crazy people, the ones that jump off the train, the ones that hide in the sewer, the ones that wouldn't accept being huddled, the ones that wouldn't accept being shipped anywhere. Fake today, ident- every, everything. E- every, everything that you had to do to survive in the Holocaust basically comes from a personality that completely rejects the reality that's being tried to impose on you and demands to act in its own free will With a very strong survival instinct, at least that's what I know about the stories in the Holocaust. Now, the reason why it might be a completely preposterous theory is because a lot of that has to do with luck, a lot of the stories. But one of the interesting things are that luck is also it's it's totally unproven, but luck is something that has been viewed in many social systems as something that people have. Okay, have you seen the movie Cooler? No. Which movie? Cooler. Cooler? Cooler. No. Cooler is a movie about a guy, it's, uh, I think it's William H. Macy, about a guy that works in a casino in a role that's called the cooler. And the role of the cooler is that if somebody is doing too well in a, in a, in a gambling table, they would come mm-hmm. and they would touch them And their luck would run out. And this, this is based on, on this is, real... This is real. Yeah. There were actually coolers in casinos in the U.S., in Las Vegas. 
So this guy is basically a guy whose job is to bring bad fortune upon people. And he's <laughs> bad really... Bad karma. Yeah, bad karma. And I think when you look at what happened in Israel is that eventually this country was founded and was populated by a lot of populations that are entrepreneurs by... by Nature. Yeah, by... by uh, by, how do you say, uh, how do you call this in evolution? The natural choice? Natural selection. Natural selection. Yeah. Uh, through this horrifying experience of the Holocaust. And it's probably a lot less true today because, but, but it did create a certain DNA. Mm -hmm. And this DNA wasn't new because the people that came here originally, the, the original Zionists that came to Israel to start a nation, man, think about how crazy batshit this idea is. Yeah. Think about yourself being a Russian guy back in 1900, sitting in your fucking village in Russia. It's cold as shit outside and you're a Jew and you're talking to a friend and and he tells you dude let's go to israel let's go to another shithole let's go let's go someplace <laughs> where we would have a home where we would build yeah. a country and we're going to adopt a language called hebrew and we're going to start talking hebrew man if somebody would come to you and say we're going to start a trekking nation okay mm -hmm. and we're all going to talk klingon in that nation so we're going to start talking klingon between ourselves uh -huh. and we're going to practice klingon so that when we get to that place where we start our trekkie nation trekkie country yeah this is going to be a home for trekkies from all over and they're all going to talk klingon and let's start doing that right now like, like 50 fuck years yeah. let's go <laughs> Let's fucking go. But think how crazy <laughs> this idea is. Yeah. So the country was yeah, founded crazy. by crazy people. Yeah. I also think it's a it's a it's an unbelievable miracle. Yeah. The fact that, you know, a hundred and twenty years ago or a hundred and forty years ago, some people met up, they have this huge conference, and they said, Yeah, we're gonna start working on building a country for Jews and it's gonna be a you know, and we have this you know, this this drunk person, Herzl, and he, he wrote a book. And then you should read the book. It's a really good book. And we're going to do it. Really good sci-fi. Yeah, it's, it's amazing, man. He's going to do it. Basically, the Scientologists of Dude, like it's, the late it's, 18... It's <laughs> yeah. batshit crazy. They are. And it happened. Yeah. Herzl's like a successful L. Ron Hubbard, I think. <laughs> I think L. Ron and Hubbard is, is, was a successful L. Ron Hubbard. That's... They don't have a country yet, but you <laughs> know, if, if they would want to, they'd probably Maybe have they one. Will. Maybe yeah. they will. But it's a really crazy idea. It's yeah, a really it crazy idea. So the fact that we are here uh, 140 years later, there's an unbelievable economy built on, on that sci-fi book. Yeah. Uh, is in, in terms of looking at history... It's a pretty crazy idea. Yeah. I actually, I like your theory on the Holocaust, though. I think I've heard theories that actually trauma, like, in one generation can affect the next generation. Come. Yeah. That, that when, when someone is traumatized, that it gets passed down in the genes, meaning it's not only just inherit genes that get passed down, but actually experiences. So I think maybe it's not necessarily just the fact that these are the people that survived, but the things that happened to those people in the Holocaust affected the next generation. That could be true as well. Yeah. Um, I was wondering, Doron, because, okay, we are the startup nation. We have so many startups. But they are, we ha 
it's it feels like we're a very exit oriented startup culture and very much into uh, doing the exit uh, vis-a-vis uh, selling the company and get becoming rich as opposed to build a big company like Amazon Airbnb and uber uh, would such companies even could have been built here in, in this culture of ours and is it a good thing or a bad thing how do you perceive it um I don't think a company could like Amazon could have been built in Israel. Uh, I think the problem with Israel in terms of building massive companies is that uh, we can't build massive companies that are not based on a digital offering. Amazon, one of the massive factors of its success is the fact that they digitized or, or they, they built a digital, uh, digital business around a real commerce business. Activity. I mean, you buy books. And I think that wouldn't have worked in Israel because there's, um, there's a, lot, a lot of logistic stuff that you need to solve. And eventually, you know, you got to be where the market is. Um, and also, you need to remember that when Amazon started, Israel was much younger. And businesses, uh, technology-oriented businesses... Um, Nobody was really finger figuring it out uh, you got to have so many you know I, I always t- tell my my co-founders um, in whatever company we're working on that you need a very very long series of small miracles for a company to succeed there is no silver bullet it's just a very 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 long series of miracles that happens some of it is is thanks to networking and execution and and uh and just luck but you need a really you need a really s- long series of these miracles um, since we're in a small company since we're a small country the probability of this such a long series of miracles uh, is reduced dramatically um, i think the u.s is much larger so the probability for these Um, miracles to happen is larger and I also think it has to do with a personality type uh, I think we have Teva though Teva is a massive company and a very successful one which is great we also have mobile mobile eye we have several billion or several billions uh, uh, worth of companies uh, checkpoint we don't have a hundred billion dollar company in Israel uh, I think that it's going to be a while before we do When you look at the hundred billion dollar companies that we have in Israel, um, I don't know. It's, it's, I heard a lot of theories. I don't know if any of them, any specific one of them is true. Um, we used to be a startup nation. We need to be a scale-up nation. There's a lot of that kind of work. Yeah, that's what I'm referring yeah, to yeah, in yeah. the question. Uh, there's, there's maturity. There's a lot of things. Uh, Israelis are really good at saying... Uh, things like if this schmuck next to me can do it, I can probably do it too. So you have to have one really successful company and then a lot of other people are going to say we're going to try and do it as well. And it takes time, you know, it takes time. We, I'm very passionate about uh, games, uh, digital games specifically, not necessarily video games uh, uh, like consoles, PlayStation, PC, but... Um, I'm very passionate about that, and I always wanted to work for companies like Blizzard or Electronic Arts. Uh, and there were none of these companies in Israel when I was, I don't know, 25 or 22. Uh, 
Now there are some companies that are as large, but are not doing these type of types of games. Uh, you know, narrative-driven, art-driven. We don't have amazing art Marshall school. Marshall and Adelson-driven kind of games. They're yeah, making. yeah, yeah. Casino. Casino. Uh, casino. We, uh, but some companies are actually starting to be like that. So you have a company like Plari- Plarium, which are, I would say, they're probably at a value of about half a billion dollars, which is very decent for a game company. Uh, and they're making strategy games and they're making sci-fi games. Uh, some of them are de- developed in Israel. Some of them are not. They're developed in Eastern Europe, but the headquarters are here. Uh, we have a problem with games because we don't have... Why is that? You we know, don't have great art schools. Not enough of them, at least. Um, we do have great artists, artists, though. We have some great artists. We don't have pipeline artists. A pipeline artist is basically somebody... who dedicates their life to be a cog in, a, in, in, a, in an art machine. When you look at the credits of a Disney movie, you see credits for, you see the names of hundreds and hundreds of artists. And these people are working, they, were, they finished art school and then they wor- went to work as artists for not a lot of money these guys don't make a lot of money israel is a very expensive country artists need to make a lot of money to be you know just to live here uh it doesn't work like that in ukraine for example or in korea or in china where you can get cheap artists you can get artists and that's what disney is doing you know most of the most of the creation of of art for movies these days is not happening in the u.s You have the creative director in the U.S., but right. the pipeline art, the ones who have to draw Elsa, I don't know, five million times until you get it right, are not in, in the U.S. Um, we're not good at manufacturing. That's the thing. Israel is not good at manufacturing. Uh, we're not good at having hordes of people uh, do monotonous tasks for an end goal that is perfection. We're not good at that. Um, because of our entrepreneur mentality and because everybody wants to be a unique snowflake in whatever they do. Uh, that's, by the way, what art schools teach you. If you ever went to Bezalel, they would try to teach you to be unique. They wouldn't yeah, teach you... Yeah, also in film school. Yeah, they wouldn't teach you how to do genre movies. They wouldn't teach you how to do uh, uh, soap operas so you can make a fucking liv- living as a soap opera director. Uh, they would teach you how to be unique. Right. That's a horrible thing. <laughs> That's a horrible thing. You can't make a living being unique. Right. You just you can't. You need to be in the consensus. There's an industry. The industry is based on templates. You want a romantic comedy. I need you to write a fucking romantic comedy. You, I need a sitcom. Give me 12 episodes of a decent sitcom that I can maybe have a s- nice twist about it. I don't know. The... the, the One of the characters is secretly gay and it creates a lot of, I don't know, you know, situations like Three's Company had this undertone of uh, Jack Tripper being gay. Right. Uh, th- that could be interesting. But I need a sitcom. I need gags and punchlines. And there are no schools in Israel that teach you that. I think it's, by the way, a horrible, horrible thing. Because uh, if people were taught not to be unique, but how to do amazing work in a specific genre, their ability to make money was much higher and the industry would go much faster. Right. But it is what it is. You know, everybody wants to do something unique. 
that speaks well, with your parenting style. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, you're... Yeah, my parenting, I, I do tell my kids that they're special when yeah. I talk to them. Yeah. And I really boast their ego, ego like, um, I just enjoy that, man. It's, yeah. it's really fun to tell your son that you really love him and that he's awesome. It's fun. <laughs> he gets that weird light in his eyes. Yeah. And and he feels good about it. And then he goes to school and he realizes that he's really just a normal I've kid. I've been lied to. Exactly. <laughs> and it, and it fucks him up completely. I just destroy the real fun part. <laughs> Sounds familiar. Sounds so familiar. I just destroy but... my child's future by making him think that he's unique. No, but I say that cuz it's a mentality. I mean, that's like what you're saying is that people should kind of accept it's kind of it's somewhat socialist which is interesting i think but it's kind of saying like you know we we not everybody can be extraordinary you know certain people need to take their place in the in the system circle of life yeah which is interesting but i wonder if that like aligns with with your i am definitely not a socialist no not socialist but, i know, am a, don't call I'm, him a socialist no no, no i'm a, i'm it's like I'm, bernie sanders socialist i'm a, I'm a no. massive capitalist <laughs> i do believe that people need to focus about bringing value to where they are okay and i just had a conversation with a friend today and he talked to me about the fact that he's um he's not young anymore he's 40 mm -hmm. he's applying to jobs where he you know goes all the way to being the one of two interviewees for the job mm -hmm. and then he gets bumped out somebody else gets the job and he's very depressed about that yeah. And one of the things that I told him is that he probably needs to realize that he is not perceived as somebody who can bring enough value. He's not young anymore. He's not sexy anymore. He's not willing to do, uh, uh, and you know, do a, a, a massive amount of work for a low pay, which is what young people usually agree to do because they think of how it will advance their career or the opportunity that he, he's not looking at opportunities anymore. He's looking at what can I do to, you know, to, to yeah. make my life better, to make my family's life better. And you need to realize that that's, that's how it is. Yeah. You can't be depressed about that. Yeah. Everybody is going to become less new and more unattractive. And, and you, Unless you find a way to be happy about where you are in your 40s and your 50s and your 60s, and this goes on, man. I mean, people in my generation are going to live to be 100 in your generation, maybe even more. You got to get ready for a very long way down. Yeah. <laughs> very long way Don't down. Don't worry, though. You always be attractive to me. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's thank wonderful. you, Noah. Um, but, but be happy. There's, there's, a, there's a shitty movie. <laughs> called summer school okay with uh it's always a great way to, to introduce a movie kirstie alley and mark Harmon yeah. in the lead roles where he's a substitute teacher um and he discovers that one of his summer school uh students is also a male stripper in a club <laughs> sounds and, shitty and <laughs> no no it's a, i i don't know why i like that movie yeah and ali sheedy uh, not ali sheedy <laughs> kirstie alley is beautiful there it's before she got fat and before she got old and she really 
you know, she became a much less beautiful woman. Uh-huh. She still looks amazing, I think. But she, there she was still very young and very beautiful. And that uh, he discovers that one of his students is a male stripper. And, the, the, and, he, and he tells him, what are you doing, man? And he said, what are you talking about? I'm having an awesome time. I'm 18. You know what it is like. After yeah. you're 18, it's all downhill from here. <laughs> true. So the, Mark Harmon, who's probably in his late 30s, is answering, yeah, but it's a hell of a ride. <laughs> you got to make sure that the way down is going to be a hell of a ride. Yeah, if, you don't do, if you don't do that, if you can't find a way to be happy by your career and your family in your 40s and your 50s, you are fucked because it's going to be so much time. So much time. Your 20s. You're almost over. How old are you? 27. 27. It's almost over, man. Yeah. Was it fun? It's pretty fun. Cool. Decent for you. Decent? Decent? Yeah. Good. No 30s complaints. is going to be amazing. 30s is you're like in your prime. You make a lot of money. You're, you're still yeah. extremely sexually active. It's going to be fun. 40s. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to know. <laughs> 40s, you, make, you build a family. You start becoming concerned about things. You okay. need to start taking care of other people. That sounds awful. And from that point on, it's all going to go downhill. Okay. 50s, you're going to start earning less money. 60s, Just even less. 67, <laughs> you're going to retire with whatever the fuck is that. I don't know. It's just depressing to think about retire from what? I, 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 what, do I, what do I do in the morning? I haven't even so started. So Hillary Clinton's thinking right now. <laughs> Probably. I'm not worried about her. She's going to give lectures for a shitload of money. Right. <laughs> just like she's always been doing. She's not going to be president, though. Nope. Yeah. That's a shame. Michelle, though. Um, That's true. She, is she going to run? You're more involved in either the US. her or Kanye. Before we wrap things up, um, could you um, give some advice? If we, if we do, uh, if we will be listened in a cer- certain point by, uh, let's say, Ole Hadash or someone who's going to come to Israel, he, he wants to, to, to be an entrepreneur, but he has no experience in coding. Uh, could you give some or or whatever? He never done such a thing before. Okay. Could you give him some advice where to start from? Uh, yes. Uh, I I'll give two very shallow advices. There they are very um, true for all life in Israel. Life in Israel, or being successful at anything in Israel requires that you will have no fear and that you will have an amazing network of people that you can approach. That's also true for other places. It's not different in Israel. I think in Israel, the network factor is a little bit more important than other places. Um, But if you decide that you want to come to Israel, uh, have no fear, be open, be honest, and build an amazing network of people identify who are people that are going to waste your time, who are people that will help you bring value to yourself. For the ones that you feel that will bring value, for the ones that you feel that could help you or they have good ideas, spend time in building the relationships. Uh, Building a relationship is actually very easy. You just have to stop thinking about yourself and think about the person on the other side and how you can help them achieve something. That would mean volunteer, go to meetups, and be a fun guy. Um, um, 
you know do i'm i'm thinking about game ga the games industry so do game jams and wherever you can and whatever you can do um just bring value to other people and build your network uh, the last thing is that you mentioned coding. You don't really have to be a coder uh, to to be an entrepreneur, um, but you do need to have a distinct ability to get shit done. doesn't matter if it's production skills or hiring skills or uh, funding, fundraising skills. Uh, you got to be able to have something where you're much, much better than other people. If there is nothing that you believe that you are better, much better than other people in, um, start working on being better than other people in something. Uh, you got to have one vertical skill set that you're really going to you know, master. And if you manage to do that, if you're a master of one discipline of the entire entrepreneur uh, possible skill sets and you have a great network, then you will find partners who will complete you for everything that you don't know. And together you will be a force to be reckoned with. That's good advice. Yeah. Thank to you me, so that, much. That's like very, it embodies the, the mentality of a CEO. Cause you started saying, if you don't have anything, you believe that you do better than other people. And I was thinking, go, just don't come, just give up now. <laughs> and you're like, Find something. It's very right. optimistic. I am optimistic. Yeah, no, that's good. It's good. It's, I am optimistic. Yeah, yeah. It's admirable. Doron, thank you so much. It was amazing. Thank uh, you. And uh, good luck with all I, I, future... Can I, can, I say, can I say one more thing? Of course. Absolutely. Um, you sat me in this chair. I thought we were going to talk about something completely different. And now I, really? I realize that I'm sitting here as this sort of guru for entrepreneurship. And I just want to say that I'm, I'm really not successful to the measure of somebody should listen to what I'm saying. I'm giving you very general advice that I found to be valuable in my life. And if you feel that something that I said is total bullshit, you're probably right and you should do the complete opposite. Okay. Yeah, I just well, want to make that clear. Disclaimer. So, yeah, because because really, I I there's somebody sitting and he's giving you a, a lecture about how to be great in life and how you be this. Ah, come on. Like Big Lebowski said, it's like your opinion, man. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, so uh, Doron uh, is if you guys speak Hebrew, then check out his podcast. It's called Economy. You can find them on Facebook. Economy, like geek and economy together yes also geekonomy.net it's their website um so check them out we are also on itunes like us on facebook share this episode uh if you liked it Doron, thank you so much for coming you are welcome and we were three nice jewish boys yes <laughs> <laughs>